um, getting to the end of the book of Genesis. So if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, join me in Genesis chapter 47. And we're going to be looking at uh, starting at verse 27. Again, Genesis chapter 47, starting at verse 27. And if anyone here that needs a Bible, we have several Bibles on the back table. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, it's, uh, you can have one. It's our gift to you. It says in Genesis chapter 47, starting at verse 27. It tells us this. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it, and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so the day of Jacob, the year of his life, were 147 years. Verse 29, and when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph, Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me. And there burying place, he answered, I will do as you have said. And he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him, then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. Um, let me pray for us, and hopefully we can go all the way down to chapter 49, verse 33 here um, this morning. Um, so let me, let, me, let me pray for us. Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. We thank you for bringing us back again on this Lord's Day. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless the worship, Lord, bless the preaching. Let your people be encouraged here this morning. No matter what they're going through, Lord, let them see that, Lord, you are here and you're near to them, Lord, for yes. those that believe in you. But for those that are here that's not believing, Lord, I pray that, Lord, the gospel is preached faithfully, that many turn from their sins, Lord, and put their faith in you this day. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us at this time. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. I don't know if you guys have been following um, all over social media and on the news. Uh, um, Serena Williams, um, she has just finished her career in tennis. ESPN shared this about Serena Williams' career. She has 186 consecutive weeks as being number one. Four-time Olympic gold medalist. 23-time major champion, 367 major match wins, six U.S. Open titles, 73 career titles. And the end of that, they have beside her name, Serena Williams, they have a goat. Whenever you see a goat beside someone in sport, it means... Greatest of, greatest of all time. So I guess that's beside my name in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but we see that Serena William ESPN has said she's the GOAT. Her career was the good life for her. 
She was able to accomplish more than she probably even can even imagine. But it came to an end. Winning number one, right? 186 consecutive weeks at number one. It didn't make 187. Four-time Olympic gold medalist, it didn't make five. 23-time major champion, it didn't make 24. 367 major matches wins, it didn't make 368. Six U.S. Open titles didn't make it to seven U.S. Open titles. And 73 career titles didn't make it to 74. We all can relate to great moments in our, even our lives. We look, at, look back at it when we made somebody proud, didn't we? You might have made the honor roll. Or you might look back at it. You might have accomplished a, a state title in sports in high school. Or you might have won an award for cooking class. Or you might have been the best travel nurse award of the year. Or the best chef the CR has ever brought in. I don't know about your career, but all of us in this room can go back and testify of a great moment that happened into our lives. Amen. But those moments don't continue, do they? Mm -hmm. Those moments give us a glimpse of something greater. God gives us those moments for us to taste of a great, glorious moment to come. It's a God general way for us to anticipate for something greater. Serena Williams backhand and forehand in tennis that brought about championship but pointed to a greater celebration to come. God gives us a foretaste here on earth on the greatest things to come. That's why. All the moments that we've seen have great in our lives, all of them end. Think about it. A job that you were so fascinated to interview with, and you got that job, now you're four years in a job, and you want to leave and go to another job. <laughs> that great moment to accomplish to be able to get this job. Family, why aren't we satisfied in these great moments forever? You ever hear about in Hollywood, People own billions of dollars, millions of dollars, and they still are not happy. Great moments, great success is always limited. And today we're going to see today's tattoo, even with Jacob. We're going to be able to see how even Jacob here and his family now, they're in a place that are thriving in Egypt. But Jacob knows that this is still not enough. This must be something greater to come. So as we work through this today, if I can title this sermon today, I would say the good life right now don't compare to the good life to come. The good life right now, all the many things that you're, the, the promotions you're getting, all the different things you're doing in your life right now do not compare to the glorious moment to come for those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I want to be able to try to persuade you this morning through God's word. 
that it is something better than right now. And as we cling to something that's better than for right now, it was let us see that things right here in this world is nothing but vanity. So let's jump right into it. Uh, three points today. The good life in Egypt is not the end all to be all. That's going to be 47 verse 27 to 47 31. Point number two is going to be the promise to come is better than the good life right now. It's going to be 48 to, the, uh, to, uh, to chapter 49. But we're going to end off with, at the end of chapter 49, Jacob's going to die after reminding his sons of the promise to come. So at the time we have, let me jump right into point number one. The good life, Markel, the good life in Egypt is not the end all to be all. The people of God are thriving now. Well in Goshen. Who are the people of God? Let me give you guys a quick a minute what's happening. God created the whole world. He created the earth, right? For mankind, Adam and Eve, to glorify him. They dishonored him, and they got kicked out of the garden. Sin came into this world. And so God wanted to redeem the world back to himself, so God eventually was going to take upon flesh and come as that man. But he's going to come to the lineage of man to be able to eventually live the life that man couldn't live. So right now, throughout the Old Testament, they were waiting on the Messiah to come. At first, we thought it was going to be Abel, but what happened to Abel? Got killed by his brother. Cain couldn't be the Messiah because he sinned. Then we thought it was self, but it wasn't self because God took him to be with him. Then the next person is Noah. Could Noah be the Messiah, right? Noah redeemed and saved all these people, but we found out Noah hasn't come yet. <laughs> Noah got drunk. Noah dishonored the Lord. Then after Noah couldn't do it, we thought it was going to be Abraham. Then Abraham didn't trust the Lord. We thought it was going to be Isaac. We're all waiting for the Messiah to come. Who would be this Messiah to come? That's what we're waiting on. So God is preserving a certain people to bring about the Messiah, but we don't know at this moment. I mean, of course we know now, but at this time, we don't know within the tribe of Jacob, his, the, the Israel, who's going to bring about this Messiah. And God has said this Messiah is going to be in the land that we know of as Israel. Well, right now, the people that are Israelites, they're not in Israel at this moment. They're actually in Egypt because a famine has happened. But while they're in Egypt, they're actually thriving right now in Goshen. They're growing in possessions. Again, I say it all the time. All we do is win. So these people are the people of God. They're in a foreign land, and they are full of possessions. They are thriving well at this particular time. And Jacob now has been in this land for 17 years. And at this time, a famine is no more. So they got plenty of crops. They're doing good in Egypt. And so Jacob is now is 147 years old. He can finally enjoy the, few, the fruits of being a family man now here in Egypt. Y'all know how the false started worked for years, but now they can sit back and enjoy the future of their life. That's what Jacob is doing. He's able to enjoy what's happening now with his lineage and his people. He's been through a lot with Isaac and Esau. But now he is in a good place enjoying many things of Egypt. But I would say this is not the end all to be all. 
I mean, a lot of times people get retired, right? They work all them years. I'm going to enjoy my money. I'm going to enjoy my retirement. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do these things. This is where Jacob is at. He can retire and enjoy all of these fruits of his labor and seeing what his lineage have come, but he's not content. He's not all the way happy. He has all the money right now. He has all the food right now. He has everything right now, but something is still missing. So Jacob is thinking about something that is greater than his life. He's thinking about past his life. So he asked Joseph to promise him to bury him with his fathers in Israel. Why would you want to go to Israel, right? It's just nothing but desert land and some vegetation in northern Israel. You are in Egypt, right? Egypt, the most powerful kingdom, probably one of the most powerful kingdoms at this time. You in Egypt, don't you want to be buried with the pharaohs? You guys ever seen the huge pyramids before? The pyramids of Giza? Those pyramids are nothing but tombs. They're big tombs. And so Jacob can be buried there and have a tomb named after him, but he decides to want to be buried in Asher, Israel. Jacob wanted to be buried in the land of promise. Even though the land of Israel might not look pretty, but that was the land that God has promised them. That was the land that's going to bring about the Messiah. Even though this land is desolate and this land is thriving, Jake was not content and actually been buried in the land and been thriving. He is content in the promise, even though this doesn't look like a promise. Come on now. So Jacob is thinking past this. Jacob is not buying into what's pretty to him in that moment. Jacob is thinking about something that's greater to come. I want to be buried with the fathers. I want to be buried in this land because this land is going to be a land that saves the nation. But it didn't look like it. I think a lot of time for us, we get our mind and our hearts off the promises of God because things doesn't look pretty for us in the moment. Well, I'm coming to church on Sunday. I gave money to the church. I did all of these things and I still can't come up. But if I go to the casino, I can hit a lick right now. Hmm. So let me base it and let me focus on this casino. Let me focus on these things because these things work right now. Family. The things right now don't compare to the things to come. Christian church, the good times right now is not the end all to be all. It might feel good having the best job, having the best spouse, having a lot of money, having a lot of cars. All of these things are nice and amazing, but what matters the most is having something that is not perishable. Amen. Marriage will end at death. A job will end when you get retired or when you get fired. Money will be spent. And if you don't spend in your lifetime, those that come behind you will spend it for you. Your cars will break down. I'm pretty sure if I ask everybody to have a car, do you have the car when you, your first car you ever had, do you still have that car? <laughs> Besides, you can't. <laughs> so don't be so blinded by the things you have right now in this life. 
Having the chariots in Christ, like the song just mentioned, is more precious than anything you ever can have. That's why I tell us in 1 John 2, 15 and 17. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but he is from the world. And the world is passing away along with this desire, but whoever does the will of God will abide forever. Let me read that again. Let me read that again. Listen to this again. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, what look good, what taste good, what feel good, all those things in this world and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So I will say this again. As you abide in God forever, the desires of his word that you have right now don't even compare. So family, where is your eyes fixated on right now? So consumed about relationships. It's so consumed about how your bills are going to get paid. It's so consumed about all of these things, and now you can't focus on a better life to come. Family, it gets better for us as believers. Amen. It gets better for us as believers. So even for Jacob, Egypt being there in a good, thriving land that all of these good things happening wasn't the end all to be all for him. Point number two. The promise to come is better than the good life right now. Here in the second point, we will see the promise to come is better than the good life right now. We first see the blessing toward Joseph's sons. Then we're going to see the blessing toward Jacob's sons. Joseph is one of the sons of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of the sons, Joseph, was the one that was sold in slavery. Then eventually he rose up to be governor of Egypt. And when he became governor, he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And these sons were born by a woman of Egypt. So Jacob explained to Joseph the promise that his God, is going to, God gave him in love. Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply, and I will make you a company of people and will give the land to your offspring after you for everlasting possession. That same promise that we gave to Jacob was given to Isaac. Who else was it given to? Abraham. Abraham. The same promise. So God has given it to Abraham, and Abraham didn't see it. God has given it to Isaac. Isaac didn't see it. And now God has given it to Jacob, and Jacob doesn't see it. Now Jacob's going to give it now to his sons. The reason why they're not seeing it, because the promise is built upon someone that comes after them. The promise continues. Joel Beakey said this, Jacob adopted his grandson Ephraim and Manasseh as his own sons, increasing their honor and inheritance in the family. 
as Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, lost his birthright by immorality when he lay with his uh, uh, with the maidservant, Jacob's uh, wife. And Jacob gave it to Joseph's sons instead of Reuben. So the firstborn, Reuben promise of blessing, birthright was given to Ephraim and Manasseh. You think about firstborn too. The firstborn, the firstborn is one to get the inheritance. Now you think about now as Jesus being the firstborn of the Father. Jesus is the one to get the inheritance. He gets the inheritance. He deserved the birthright. Jesus get the birthright. Jesus get the blessing from the Father. But him taking upon the sins, he forfeited it. When Jesus became sin, he forfeited the birthright. Just like Reuben. When Reuben sinned, he forfeited the birthright and he went to Ephraim and Manasseh. Jesus forfeited, the birthright was forfeited from him and his birthright was given to who? To us. To us. Jesus was outcasted by the Father in Isaiah 53. He was punished by the Father, but it tells us in 2 Corinthians that how Jesus became sin for us. Jesus giving up his birthright so we can get the promises. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We get the birthright because of the willing of our older brother mm. to take our place. Our older brother Jesus took our place so we can get the blessings. So it's like Ephraim tasted now from Reuben. That's what we see here. And at this time, Joseph was confused. Joseph was like, hey, who to put the hand on? Joseph wanted the son. Joseph wanted one son to get blessed, but Jacob blessed the other son. But regardless of the sons get blessings from Joseph. In chapter 4, now we see more about how the future blessings were more valuable than the temporary treasures in Egypt. The sons of Jacob will be used by God for the nation to learn about Jehovah. And that's in chapter 49. You look at chapter 49. It has all the sons of Jacob. It talks about all these blessings that come to put for them. For the sake of time, though, I want to be able to acknowledge just a couple of them at this time how these blessings that it gives to these sons of Jacob is going to point us to a better promise to come. So all the sons of Jacob and what God has in store for them will point to the redemptive plan. We see in verses 1 through 4, the first son is, in chapter 49 is, Reuben. Reuben. We're told that Reuben will have great dignity and power, but it will be limited since he defiled his father's bed. So Jesus would not come from Reuben, but Reuben lineage would consist of people with great dignity, but they would not reign in preeminence. So let's just know about Reuben. They're going to have some dignity, but they not. They would not reign in preeminence. So Reuben lineage would not bring about the Messiah. What about Simeon and Levi? You guys remember what Simeon and Levi did? What did they do? They saved uh, uh, a group of people to take the birthright to kill them. 
Yeah, when the when Dinah the sister was defiled, the brothers went in and pretty much manipulated the people of Shechem and killed all the men of the town. So they were people of blood. And they were the people that stayed ready to fight. So they're the people from Howard Drive. Or Lala. I mean, um, from people from around. <laughs> so they stayed ready to throw hands. So some of y'all got some Simeon and Levi in y'all blood in here. It was a Hebrew Israelites, right? So y'all might be some Hebrew Israelites in here, some Simeon and Levi. Right? But now we jump down to Judah. Judah. Judah kind of get the most recognition out of all of them in verses 8 through 12. Judah, it says in verse 8, Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up, stooped down, crouched as a lion, and as a lioness who, desire, who dare rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler staff from between his feet, until the tribute come, can, comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his forefowl to the vine, and his donkey coat to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine, and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Judah and Joseph has the most description out of all the sons. Judah did sin with with Tamar. Judah sinned again with Tamar. But if you notice in these verses 8 through 12, the Tamar name mentioned, it doesn't mention the failures here of Judah of being with Tamar. Judah described now as one that a promise will stay upon. Said Judah's like a lion cub. And pray, my son, you have gone up. Later on, we're going to find out Jesus is the lion of Judah. It's also talking about this scepter, scepter should not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from the between his feet. Judah is described as the one that's going to be in royalty. He's going to be beside the one that's going to be the one that actually is going to be obedient for the people. Judah's description here is pointing to Jesus. And Jesus is actually from the tribe of Judah. So again, Judah points to a better promise to come. It's not all about the thriving Egypt at this time. Judah's going to bring about a lineage of the Messiah, and Jesus is going to be born by Mary. And Joseph. And where does Mary Lenin's goes back to? It goes back to Judah. So what did Jacob look forward to? Jacob looked, looking forward to his son bringing about a greater son to come. Christ the line of the tribe of Judah once says, has overcome all the powers of the devil in Revelation 5, 5 and Revelation 17, 14. Judah is the lineage of Jesus regardless of the failures of the past. This shows that God sees past. God doesn't hold the past upon his believers. Because think about it. If Judah was the one that slept with Tamar and deceived, why would Jesus come from this? 
Family, Jesus come from a lineage of sinners. I mean, ultimately, Jesus is perfect, right? He comes from the Father, but his earthly lineage comes from an earthly line of sinners. A lot of times in the Catholic Church, they kind of exalt Mary, how she's full of grace. But Mary prayer in Luke 2, Mary is crying for a Savior for herself. She is saying that she is in need of a Savior. Only one person is perfect, and that was Jesus. And also, King David points to Judah. And all the lenders play the role in the prospering come of the line of Judah. We talked about Zebulon and shut the world in the shore sea. And got all these other descriptions of events and things going to be happening throughout the lineage of these different tribes. But Joseph gets a quite a bit of mention as well. Joseph is fruitful bow, bow, a fruitful bow, bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. And the description of Joseph is part of the description of Joseph to help save his brothers. By saying in verse twenty-five, by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you, with blessing on the heavens above. Blessed are the deep that crouches beneath. Blessed are the breast of in, in of the room. The blessing of your father are mighty abundant. The blessings of my parents. Up into the bounties of the everlasting hill, may they be on the head of Joseph, on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. So Joseph described this as the one that's going to be blessed. And the last one was actually Benjamin. Benjamin, we know King Saul comes from the line of, ben, of, of Benjamin. And King Saul was, he was a headache for David at times. So what do we take away from this lineage? First of all, this lineage right here that we just mentioned about is not for us today. Judah is not for, all, for African Americans that people would say that African Americans are from the line of Judah. Or they would say Hispanics or Mexican or Puerto Ricans are a certain tribe of Judah. Family, these descriptions about each son of Jacob is pointing us to the coming of Jesus. Amen. We can't make this about us. It was pointing to us of a Messiah to come, how God was going to use Issachar. He was going to use Joseph. He's going to use all these sons to play a role in the redemptive son to come. It's like it's arrogant for, they, for people to be on a corner to be able to say that these descriptions of these certain tribes are pointing to us today. Family, these things were pointing to Jesus. Let us not take the credit for that. When we make this about us today, we mess out on the redemptive plan of God in these verses. The blessing of the coming Messiah through Judah is more valuable than anything that we can try to obtain from these different descriptions for us today. So what was Jacob looking for? Jacob was given these blessings as the spirit was guiding him, describing that each son would play a role and would, for Jesus to come later, 3,000, 4,000 years later, when he did come. With that said, family, we must see life this way today as well. We should look, look past the temporary things and look forward to something greater to come. 
Temporary blessings again won't last forever. But we should meditate on the coming of the Messiah again. And all of the promises that we get in him, we get eternal life. Let me end right here with point number three. Jacayla winked at me three times. Jacob dies after reminding his sons of the promises to come. Another reason that we don't have to think only about the right now is that Jacob in 28 to 33 passes away. He had everything to thrive well in Egypt, but he still passed away. This lets us know This lets us know that the things in this world are temporary. That we should look forward to something greater to happen. Tell him verse 33. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and gathered to his people. Jacob dies, so the flourishing in the land of Egypt is not the end all to be all. But not only for Jacob, but for this same attitude of Abraham, Isaac, and all the believers of the Old Testament. If we keep going to David, to everybody in the Old Testament, all of them die. Every single one of them die. But what do we learn about them? I'm glad you asked. That's why we have Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 tells us about these people that died. That were looking forward to the promise. Let me just give you a taste of that. It tells us in Hebrews 11, starting verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of all received their accommodation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You jump down to verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him accepting his gift. Abel was a brother of faith. Not only Abel, jump down to verse 8 in chapter 11 in Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place they were to receive as inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to a live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundation, who designer and builder was God. Amen. Amen. So Abraham was looking for something greater. A lot of times people say, thinking about now is that about Israel, earthly Israel, looking forward to something. Abraham wasn't looking forward to an earthly kingdom. Abraham looking forward to a kingdom and heaven forevermore. Amen. Talked about by Sarah. Then we can jump down more on this. And we can learn more about in verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when we're dying, blessing each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, by Moses. All these people were by faith. What is it saying by faith? They were trusting in something that they couldn't see. Family, as we end here today, are you a people of faith? Are you a people of faith? Are you so focused, Demaya, on the things right here? Uh, Alina, are you so focused on the things that you see right now? 
Family, if we focus on the things that we see right now, family, we will be in disparity. But it ends off this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And what more should I say? For time will fail me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophet, who through faith conquered kingdom and forged to obtain promises, stopped the mouth of the line, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, but foreign armies to fight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about skin of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about the deserts and the mountain in the dens of the caves of the earth. And all these, though committed through their faith, do not receive what was promised. Said God had provided something better for us that apart from us, that should not be made perfect. Family, God has prepared something better for us in Christ. Thank you, Lord. It get better. It get better, Michonne. It gets better, it gets better and better. Because family, every single day get us closer to Jesus. All right. Every single day get us closer to that day to come. It gets better for us. Family it doesn't get worse as believers. Mm. Hard times in our life doesn't mean it's worse. Hard times brings about the belief that God has promised to make us. So family, hard times is not a punishment. Hard time is to conform us to Jesus. Hard time points us to the day to come. So family, lift up your head. Looking forward to the day of promise to come. And as we end here, let me end with a couple of applications here. Are you looking beyond the temporary blessings in this life right now? Those that are single, right? That are on Christian Mingle and what, what's the rest of them? TikTok and I don't know all the rest of them y'all do. Snapchat. Is it Snapchat, Trey all the things that you're trying to look forward to right now in life, family, we got to look past the temporary blessings here on this life. If not, you can easily make an idol and think, the, think that the things you have right now at the end ought to be all. Don't make an idol of these things right now. Our earthly blessings point us to the ultimate blessing of being a new, in a new kingdom with Lord Jesus forevermore. So how can you help with this? How am I help you with this? A couple of things I took from the uh, I teach GCR. A couple of things here. Examine your imagination. Examine it. All of the things that you're daydreaming and thinking about, examine those things. Because those things can actually get you to buy into things that cannot compare to the things to come. Examine your attention. Consider the time that says you would rather be doing something else rather than practicing in spiritual discipline. What activity would you rather be doing instead? Are there one or more time wasting activity you regularly turn to when to avoid engaging more productive tasks? How is your attention? Examine your finances. Examine your prayer life. Examine your relationships. Examine your emotions. Look at your life right now 
If you're anxious and wanting other things that are here that are perishable, examine those things and put those things in its place. Don't let those things that you are anticipating for taste the place of heaven. It's nothing on this earth can compare to heaven. What about your emotions? That emotion that you want from a significant others, a other, not others, but other, family, it doesn't compare to what you get in Jesus. Your wife or your husband can never satisfy you. If they could, why did Jesus come? Jesus came because that spouse cannot meet all those needs. Yes, do they help meet some, some needs and help meet some emotional things at times? Yes. But ultimately, your spouse is going to fail you. Your friend's going to fail you. Things in life are going to fail you. So put things in the proper place. Examine everything in your life. Family, things in this world is going to fail. The things that come is everlasting. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us, y'all. Take we're over time. Our Father God, the heavenly